0: It's time. The Start Your Private Practice program is open for our big spring enrollment, which is open now through May 13th at midnight Pacific. So if you're hearing this message and you want to get set up and ready to see private clients this summer, we are open and ready for you to join us and let us help you start working with your own ideal clients and earning extra income for your family through your very own private practice. To join, just head on over to privatepracticecourse.com right now and sign up. You've been listening to the episodes and gathering information for a while now, and it's time to take your private practice dreams and turn them into a reality. We've helped over 3,000 SLPs and OTs, just like you, become successful private practitioners following our step-by-step process. We'll help you build your private practice on a solid legal foundation, learn how to get clients using free, inexpensive, and effective marketing strategies, and you'll learn how to bill for your services. Oh, and if you have questions along the way, we offer ongoing support in our private Facebook group from our team of mentors. This isn't a DIY program. It's a done with support program with built in accountability because we are committed to your success. It's basically private practice school. If you can follow a recipe, you can follow our step-by-step checklists to start your very own private practice, even if you don't have a business background. And it's completely self-paced so that you can go through it as quickly or slowly as you want to. Oh, and if you need continuing education hours, you'll get 10. All of our programs are tax deductible, and we offer flexible payment plans. Most of the people that you've heard on this podcast are our students. And remember, if they can do it, you can do it too. So again, head on over to privatepracticecourse.com right now and sign up. And I cannot wait to help you start your private practice. Ashley Danae Perkins is a speech language pathologist who lives in Eunice, Louisiana. When she started graduate school, she knew that she wanted to start a private practice as soon as she could. So shortly after earning her C's, she started seeing her own private clients on the side. She knew that she wanted to be in business for herself because she wanted control over her time and the time that she could spend with her family. If you're ready to take control over your professional, personal and financial life, this is a great episode for you to listen to. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system, and I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, It's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life, and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. So, when you think about different settings that speech language pathologists work in, the most common ones are schools, hospitals, early intervention, private practice, you know, mostly other people's private practices, university clinics, and maybe a few others that I can't think of right now. I used to think of private practice as a work setting too, until I decided to start my own. I think about private practice differently, not just as another SLP work setting but as a vehicle to get what you want. How do you do this? You start by thinking about what you want, determining what you want your life to be like, to look like, to earn like. How do you want to spend your time and energy? Make that decision first and then build a business that supports you. You have to listen to the entire episode for all of the details, but our guest today, Ashley Danae Perkins, did just that. She has young kids, and she built a very profitable and debt-free private practice, only conducting three to four sessions per day. That's it. Because while her kids are young, she wants to take them to school and pick them up and be there for them. She also hired an independent contractor to see some of the cases, so she has income coming in even when she's not working. And another cool part, she's only been in private practice for two and a half years, and is just getting started. During the interview, Ashley mentioned some of the resources that she got from me that helped her on her private practice journey. If you're looking for the step-by-step, easy-to-follow way to start your private practice, head on over to independentclinician.com and pick up the resources that you need. I help people at all levels of their private practice journey, from curious beginners who want to make a plan, to folks who are ready to start full-time or on the side, to resources for established private practitioners who are looking to grow. It's all available on independentclinician.com, so go check it out. So here's what I want you to do. As you listen to this episode, think about what you want your life to look like and how, like Ashley, you can build a business that supports your life. Prepare to be inspired. Before we dive into the interview... (laughs) Can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Hi, I'm Ashley
1: Danae Perkins. I am from Eunice, Louisiana. I'm a speech language pathologist and I practice at Perkins Therapy Group.
0: So I'm so excited to do this interview. Ashley and I have known each other like over the years uh, in Facebook and on Instagram, that kind of thing. And I've really watched your private practice journey and I'm so excited to share it with our listeners. So before we hear about, you know, what things are like now, can you take us back to when you were, you know, first started as an SLP and what your early career was like, and then kind of how you started maybe getting into private practice?
1: Yeah, of course. So just to kind of give like a basic frame, I've been in private practice for about two and a half years. Um, The reason I am where I am now, though, started with you. And so it's one of those things where I was in graduate school from 2013 to 2015. And somewhere within that timeframe, I decided that I wanted to have a private practice. Um, I even applied for a scholarship and I had to state why I would benefit from a scholarship. And so within that scholarship form, I told them, well, I wanna graduate from graduate school with no debt from graduate school. And within that letter, I made my pitch. And I told them I wanted to open up a private practice to serve my local community. And I wanted to prioritize research and development. So that's kind of like, I don't even know why I wanted to do that. Because I knew nothing about private practice. However, when I made my pitch, that's what I told them. And that's kind of how it got started. I guess maybe I planted the seed in my head then. And so whenever I actually started working, it was in 2015, I was working in the nursing homes. and so. Mind this. March 2015, I had my first child. May 2015, I graduated from graduate school. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Started working in the nursing home June 2015. And whenever that started happening, I realized right away that I didn't have the flexibility that I needed. Because, you know, you have more of like a like of course it's a full-time job. However, you can't just take off whenever you want. And I already I'd saw where whenever I would want to take off, um, there would be questions as to why. And I'm like, well, my child's daycare is closed. I want to be there to watch them. And there was just all these little things that I was like, oh, this probably isn't meant for me because I know I'm going to need more flexibility. And just based upon the way me and my husband had already kind of structured our life, I knew that I was creating a way to get there. I just didn't know how I'd get there. (laughs) So when I first started researching about private practice, I found you, and that was all it really took. I printed a binder. Actually, I was looking for it the other day. I was like, where's that binder at? Um, so here's my plain binder. I didn't even print out the little front page or anything, but this is where it started. And so in this binder, it was before you, I don't even know exactly what you have now because I started like the old school way. I mean, I'm sure if you're like digital and all like, fancy and stuff now, but like the independent clinician, introduction, the Private patients, like this was, you know, an older version. However, printing that baby out, started reading a little bit. Um, I'm pretty sure knowing how I am, I got hung up on a few pages and ran with it. Literally, did did not stop. Yes, I found you. I was inspired by you as a private practitioner. And then I started like, before I was really like Facebook searching people, I was Google searching people. Who's in private practice? What are they doing? How are they doing it? What does it look like for them? Knew it didn't have to look the same for me, but I wanted to look into it. So I was also looking into you, Vanessa Anderson-Smith, Hallie Bolkin, Amy Graham. I think I even messaged Amy on like Facebook. Like, hey, what are the dimensions of your room? (laughs) Because I was just brainstorming ideas and like just being inspired by people that I wasn't even interacting with regularly. However, just knowing that they were doing what they wanted to do and was loving it, I was all into it, just Googling, Googling, reading the website, learning a little bit. And I was like, I'm going to get there. Yes. Yeah, so I knew I had to create that path. And by doing that, I just needed to start. So along this journey, like while I was working at the nursing home, I kind of just made sure that I was laying the foundation for transition. I was keeping my eyes open for a business. I was keeping my eyes open for um, just all the things like that I noticed that were my strengths. That way I knew it could play into whenever I would transition. And so as I was working in the nursing home, I kind of learned that if you have an entrepreneurial spirit at all (laughs) um, about you and you find yourself thinking about private practice, well, then you just need to lean into yourself and you really need to think about it. Because if you can dream it up in your head, then you can create it. And so that's kind of where I found myself. And I was like, Ashley, you just have to put in the work. And so, um, like, it's been this big thing. And sometimes I even say it, like, your growth is my growth. That's how it is for everyone um, around me. And the more that I see people doing it, like, you inspiring these clinicians. And there's other SLPs or other entrepreneurs just inspiring people to do it. Um, That's really what it keeps Keeps me going. I'm already, I'm already intrinsically motivated. However, seeing other people doing it really um, pumps me up. I always say I want to see everyone succeed more than I do, because that's what makes me happy. Yeah, so I'm very inspired by others just doing what they love and creating the life that they want to lead, uh, lead. So I bought your materials, <laughs> and that's what helped me get started. So in 2016, you know, graduate 2015. So in 2016, I received my CCC and I established my LLC right after I received my C's. I was like, I'm getting started on this.
0: Yeah. I love I, it. You were, you were driven, right? You had made that plan early on plan. and you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm so yes. pr- I'm loving this story, y'all. This is so good. I really liked
1: it because I was like, you know, it was like a,
0: a plan in my
1: head. There wasn't even there wasn't even like actually a lot of formal stuff going on at this point, but I was creating it in my head and I was like, I'm gonna make this happen. So after I received my C's in 2016, I established my LLC and I started doing a couple of private pay sessions uh, when I got off of work from a full-time job. So I was working in a nursing home. Uh, you had always talked about, you know, all you need is one patient kind of to get started. And so I was seeing my private pay client out of my house and they would come a couple of times a week. And I was like, okay, this is how it gets started. It, it seems like it's happening. Like this is, this is where it happens, even though it doesn't seem like a big step for some people. It's huge because you're saying yes. And you're saying, oh, yeah, you to get started. Even if it seems so small, it's not. It's not small at all. It's very monumental.
0: <laughs> but and those yeses add up, right? Like the first yes you have to say is like yes to yourself, right? Like yes, I'm gonna do this. Exactly. And then you kind of have to say yes to some other people, right? Whether it's your spouse or your best friend or your old friend from grad school or whoever, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna do this, right? Yeah. And then, exactly. and then people come and they they either hear about you or just you know. A lot of people get asked, like, hey, do you see private clients? And, you know, a lot of times people have to say no because they're not set up and ready, even if they want to. Right. Mm -hmm. That that next really exciting yes is when someone says, oh, are you available for private therapy? And you're like, yes, yes, I am. And that's when
1: you get started. You're like, hey, I'm ready ready or not. Here I go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I would go to my full time job. I would do my private practice uh, clients after work. Um, I would also do like PRN after work, and I would do like home health after work, just to kind of build up some income for my future potential business. Um, So that's kind of what I was thinking in the background. So in 2016, after all this happened already, and I just established my LLC, I didn't really even look into the process of what was needed for credentialing. I just submitted it. And I was like, why not? The only way to get this started is submitting it and they can tell me what I did wrong. And so I did. I submitted all the credentialing paperwork for United Healthcare, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Medicare. And I did not worry about what was going to be said just because I was like, I'm doing it. <laughs> so I sent that off. And then little did I know that I needed a brick and mortar. I was a little like, oh man, I didn't expect that. Did not at all. Um <laughs> However, that was just something that was a little more eye opening for me because I was looking into insurance and it wasn't necessarily like I had to. It was just based upon like the community that I'm in Um, and kind of what I was seeing around me is a lot of people like to use their insurance. So I was trying my best just to kind of uh, look into that route because I wasn't really afraid of it, even though I didn't know what to expect of it. But I, I wouldn't learn until I tried. So, yeah, I was rejected by them that first time, just trying to get, get that started. So from 2016, while working in the nursing home till uh, 2018, like when I was working there too, like after work hours, I would sit in the recliner and I would research billing, coding, like all those things that don't seem fun. But I, I somehow I just love business. I've always said I would just wanted to be a glorified assistant. And so, like, within this business, you know, sometimes I get to feel like that because I like all the business stuff, too. So I would research billing, coding, and I started to slowly build an inventory, like, of all the different materials that you could have. I knew I didn't need in excess because you don't know what you need to it. And so, and because I'm very um, practical and I try not to spin on what I don't need, I really wanted to just get the basics of everything early. So I wasn't trying to buy all this stuff at one time whenever I did have the chance to start my private practice. And so I was just slowly accumulating all that. Um, So I started saving for my private practice in case the time came that I found an affordable location in my area of interest. Like within our town, it's really tiny and there's really not a lot of options. However, I knew that if I was gonna find a place that needed to be affordable for me, because I wanted to open a debt-free private practice. And then I wanted it to be within a decent location because I didn't want to have to move or change locations or anything like that. So yeah, in November 2018, while I was still working at the nursing home, I had secured a place within our little small town. And I had found me a location that I could do therapy at. And so I I was pumped. I was pumped because I was like, even though I'm still within this full-time job, I'm potentially securing my future for a change because I knew that that was going to be needed for me. And so it's it's not like I I loved working in the nursing home. I loved my clients and I loved all that, but I didn't have the flexibility that I would need. And I'm so grateful that I decided to transition when I did, especially now that I have uh, two kids. <laughs>
0: Yes. Yeah, so. And that's a big thing. A lot of times parents like, you know, they then realize, especially once you have one kid and then really when you have more than one, you're like, oh, no, I really do need that flexibility. Absolutely. And depending on, you know, if you have a spouse and maybe what they do for work or whatever. But it really once you have, you know, other people to be uh who, who need you. Right. You got to yeah. you got to have time and availability for them. And a lot of times most of the jobs that SLPs have don't have as much flexibility as I think that exactly. people think that they will when they choose this profession. No, I
1: I see that all the time. And I'm like, you just really have to create and dream up what you want and go for that because within a lot of the jobs, you won't find that flexibility. And that's why I love that you're pushing everyone to um, think a little differently about private practice. And that way they can at least start trying to look more into it and not be so afraid of it. Uh, So yeah, whenever I secured my location in November of 2018, I had my office address and I'm remailed off. Well, I I feel not again, but I felt I I mailed off those credentialing packets (laughs) that I was denied by the last time. So I mailed all that off. And so really from January of 2019 to February 2019, I would work at my full-time job. And then afterwards, of course, just like before, I would go to my private practice this time though, not my house not PRN, not home health. I would go to my private practice after my full-time job and I would see my private pay clients. And that was so cool. I, I was tired though, because I mean, like, you know, you're in that transition phase, you're working super hard. You know, you're working full-time but then you're doing a little extra after just to kind of set yourself up and not saying everyone has to do that. But that's what I felt was good for me and my mind and the way that I like to kind of run things in my life. And so I knew that I needed to build up some cash flow within my private practice to kind of make me feel like I could handle the transition better from leaving a full-time salary to a different type of pay. Like it's it's just different. It's not, it's not saying it's like, it's not bad at all. It's amazing. You can, you can do a lot less (laughs) and still make a good amount. Um, but yeah, so a lot of people are afraid of leaving that salary and I'm like, don't be afraid. You can make way more than you think. It kind of just depends on, depends on what you want as a person, you know, you have all that flexibility to do that. So February 28th, 2019 was my last day in a full-time job. Yay. That was, that was really cool too. I mean, there are so many moments in there, you know, throughout the whole phase when you're going
0: through this and you know. You know, it's just one of
1: those things. You're like, am I really doing this? I'm I'm really
0: going to make this happen? Uh, it's a big deal, right? It's a big deal because it feels both like you earned it. You're excited, and then there's still some unknowns where you're like, I haven't made a big mistake, yeah. <laughs> but you still you push forward because you know that your desire to have more control over your life and your caseload and your, you know, professional life, personal life, financial life is greater than, you know, the fear and also the, like, just being comfortable, right? Just being like going through the motions, kind of comfortable at your regular job. Like, "Eh, it's fine. It works for some people. Other people really want to do their own thing.
1: Exactly. Like it depends on if you want the private practice. Yeah. You're going to have to challenge yourself a little bit, but there's nothing wrong either way. It's just, I know that leaving just the same old routine before and then having this new, like you have this business and you are responsible and challenged every day at learning all these different things that you never knew was possible, but you're able to do it. You find a way to do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So March 1st, 2019 was the first day of my first, like my full first day at my job. And it was amazing. It was so amazing. And so I started out with just a few, you know, private pay. And then whenever I got credential with insurance, that's when I started getting like more, you know, Blue Cross, Blue Shield. And that's pretty much what we have a lot around here, but that made a big deal for me. Um, and in 2021 20, was the first time I hired my first SLP. Thanks. Thanks. Yes. And so I just recently um Hired my first, actually, in 2020 was the first time I hired my first SLP, and 2021 is the first time I hired my second SLP.
0: So, y'all, yeah. everyone who's listening, like that's not that long, right? Like, Ashley really she had a full time job. She was starting her private practice on the side. She built up that cash flow, built up her caseload, and within not a ton of time had enough demand, right, that you needed to hire your first SLP, and then your second. That is awesome. During COVID. (laughs) Yeah, during COVID. During COVID. (laughs) And in a a not very big town, right? Yeah, very
1: small, A very small. We like 10,000 people.
0: Yeah. But what do people, like, but clearly there was a need for services though, right? If you started your private practice and you grew that quickly. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of the times when you're going
1: into private practice, you know, you can dream it up you can envision whatever it's going to be. But at the same time, sometimes you fulfill the need of your community. Um, And so like within my area, we really didn't have any pediatric uh, speech pathology places. And I'm guessing just around the area, like people weren't looking for, um, you know, swallowing therapy for adults because they got it in the nursing home. They got it in the hospital. But when it came to children, oh my goodness, like pediatricians, they were all on board. And I was like, okay, totally didn't expect this. So my business did evolve into a pediatric clinic. And I do see like teenagers and all that too. But for the most part, part it's very um, pediatric based. And that's just what it needed to be. And that's kind of where we are with it. Not I, I, I love it. It really has been great. Yeah, so it's been a big transition. And the thing that I like about private practice, and I'll kind of give you a little idea of kind of how I'm structured now, is I found that if we can really take the time to figure out what we want personally, it really helps guide our business. So I've learned that we really try to lead a, very, um, a more lean personal life. So my business, I don't have to work super hard to bring in the amount of money that I need to live. And so I find like, I find it's one of those things like I just want everyone to know like, hey, keep your personal expenses as lean as you can. Of course, have fun with your money. But at the same time, if you keep your personal expenses as lean as you can, when you open your business, you don't have to generate hundreds of thousands of dollars to be able to survive if you allow yourself to keep those personal expenses lean. And so I've also learned that um, i found like kind of following you and stuff and how everyone's private practice looks different. And, you know, there's no private practice that's anything alike. And with me, I like to see around three to four people a day, max,
0: that's what I like.
1: That I could do, I could do more. However, I like time for admin because I like admin. I like time for treatment. I like time for talking to my girls. Um, It's just one of those things. And I like time to research. And for me personally, I don't have to bring in a whole bunch for myself because not only do I keep my personal life lean, I really try to keep my business lean. So by keeping my business overhead expenses low, I can make sure that I'm able to offer you know, not only myself, um, with like a reduced caseload, quality-based caseload, but also my girls too. Like we're not we're not bound by productivity standards. I tell them like, hey, I don't have to like the overhead cost I was covering by myself before. Now that I've added on extra people, which I never thought I'd really go that direction on adding on extra people. However, it has helped with like the overhead expense of everything because like I had this overhead cost and it was me working all the time. And then some of my money went to overhead expenses and some would stay within like to pay me. And then now, um, you know, I pay, would pay me, pay my administrative assistant, my two SLPs. And then some of that money that they bring in stays in the business as well. And they know how I run everything. I'm very honest and open with them. I, I let them know, um, like, kind of like, okay, if there's something that you want, let's put it on our to buy list, and it doesn't mean we're not getting it. It just means that it's on our to buy list and we're gonna look at the finances and make sure within the next month or so that we can swing it because we're debt free private practice. Everything's cash flowed. I don't have any type of loans on it. And, you know I try to make sure that the business stays in a good uh, you know financial status. and that's just one of those things that, I have found to be very open and transparent that has helped me very much in my business, not only for myself to keep the business healthy, like even during COVID, you know, I I didn't have nearly as much money coming in. However, because the business was so lean, it survived. It did, it did fine. I wasn't worried about losing it, but at the same time, because it was so lean and That's one of those things that I was uh, talking to you about earlier that I was kind of wanting to um, bring up about the cost of like running a business. And so with mine, it's a smaller clinic. However, in our town, it's actually um, a pretty good little size place. But the cost over here is not like it is in some places, you know, but it's 750 for my business, like to rent the place. But some of these places you go to and you have to pay like, you know, a thousand plus. um, It's just one of those things. You just have to know all of that stuff about your area and all the expenses that go into it. But I was calculating earlier. And so if I'm not being lean, because, you know, we talked about me being lean, not not me physically, but we're talking about the business being lean. (laughs) Yeah. So with the business being lean, I was calculating bulky monthly average to run the place. And so if I'm being bulky, it's Mm $2,600 per month. And that's without me, you know, paying me or my girls, but that's like the expenses to run the place. That's rent, internet, uh, simple practice. Like I have, you know, like all that other stuff that adds up, but really 2,600 per month, but when we bring in well over that and we're not spending more than we make, it's really not, really not that bad. And that's me being bulky. Yeah. yeah. Whenever I was lean and before I had um, additional practitioners, it was a lot more lean.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and it really start off cheap. I mean, you can really like the way that I teach people to start in my program is really for about like, 150 to 400 dollars is really all you need to get started right you need oh, like yeah. a way you need professional liability insurance mm-hmm. you need in most towns you need a business license but not all towns and you know at a minimum you can start with paper based documentation so That's, you need a locked filing cabinet which you can go get at target right yep. so you can start off real lean, right? Like, you know, she's using the word lean, y'all. That just means to like without a lot of extra expenses, right? All these people sometimes they say, "Oh, but I need the tests. How <laughs> can I do this without all of the assessments?" So I know what answer I give to that. What what answer would you give to that? <laughs>
1: yeah, no. You and when I was getting started, I only bought the assessment if someone had called me and said, "Hey, I am interested in therapy and they would tell me what's going on. I'm like, okay, well, it's going to take me probably about a month to get that assessment in. However, I would not buy it unless I felt like it was going to be useful and needed repeatedly soon after. It wasn't just this random assessment that would potentially be used one time over five years. I thought hard about it and was like, could this be used across various age ranges and that was something I made sure. And like I said, built that den- uh, inventory before I got started. Christmas presents, I'm like, buy me a book. Hey, Christmas present, buy me an assessment. If not, give me some money, I'll put it aside for my assessment. Um, those are the little things, like I knew I didn't need a lot to get started, but those are the things that I was like, I'm putting my money in that little basket for that. And I'm glad that you mentioned, yeah, you keep it lean whenever you're getting started and you really don't need a lot. And honestly, I have a brick and mortar business and that's my, you know, overhead cost. But I tell people all the time, like, if you're getting started and you're trying to find a way to build an income stream and to feel like you need something to support you as you're getting started, if you're interested in pediatrics, like these early intervention programs, you could have a full-fledged business without even a building and make plenty by only seeing like four to six people a day. And not, and then you get to pocket everything because you don't have the overhead cost to worry about. Yeah. It's amazing. Like it, it really is. And I really wish more people would see that it's more attainable than it seems, but it is. And that's why I'm grateful for you and all that you're doing for, you know, inspiring everyone to look into these different, you know, routes, because it's not just a one size fits all. And It's not, it really isn't like, you don't have to have a brick and mortar. You don't have to treat in your home if you don't want to. You just find what works for you. And that's what you need to figure out um, how to get that. And so really, when I really think down to it, I find that we all need to become an expert in ourselves. We really do. Who are you? What do you want? And what is going to be your business methods that's going to help you create the life that you want? And all of this, it's one of those things where I'm just like, you have to dream. Like you need to take the time and you need to have like this internal narrative and you need to have a date with yourself and be like, what do I want? What do I want personally? What do I want business wise? And now you can use those dreams to create a plan. And so it's one of those things. You have to dream it. You have to write it. And then you can create the plan, but until you write it down, it just doesn't seem like it's there sometimes. And so that plan is going to help you figure out how to get those trains and Jenna's materials too. That'll help you get started as well. But yeah, all of that works together to kind of just get somewhere and to get what you want.
0: You're saying what I tell people all the time, which is to use private practice as a vehicle to get what you want, right? Like I don't think about private practice as a setting. Right. When people are saying, oh, you know, what setting, you know, school, hospital, early intervention. Yeah. Private practice is is a setting if you work in someone else's private practice. But I see private practice differently. And I see it as a as do you. You and I are right in line with this as a vehicle to get what you want for your professional life. You know, who do you who do you want to work with? What kind of clients do you want to just do pediatrics? Do you just want to do childhood apraxia of speech? Like, I don't know. What do you want to do? Right. Focus on that. Right. And then I love what you said earlier about really thinking about your financials and deciding, you know, how much money do you want to make? How much money do you need to make? You know, what expenses are you willing to, you know, to have in order to keep the income where it needs to be for you to reach your financial goals? So, so Ashley and I are like so in line on this. So listeners, if you're listening and you're like, oh my God, I never thought about private practice this way. Like this is how I want you to start thinking about it, right? As more of a, I'm going to use a word that maybe I'll regret saying later, but more as like a lifestyle business, right? It's like, you're creating the lifestyle you want and you're using the business to help achieve that lifestyle.
1: Absolutely. Someone um, had asked me something the other day and I was like, well, before I was like, when I was started private practice, they were like, has it changed? And I was like, absolutely. Like I used to work, You know, starting out, I just kind of took on like different cases and I knew I needed to niche down soon because I knew the areas that I like. However, that was a plan in my head. I said, okay, I'm going to start out building a caseload. As soon as I get a sustainable caseload, I'm going to wean down on the type of cases um, that I'm not necessarily interested in taking and, you know, do the specialized treatment that I want. And I was working a little longer hours now and now I'm like, it's evolved for sure because You know, I want to be able to bring my kids to school. I want to be able to pick them up. And that has, my practice has evolved into what I needed it to be in order to live this this life that I want and be able to, you know, I'm go home. I get to go home for lunch. (laughs) I get to run to my house like five minutes away for lunch or like my husband will come by for lunch or the girls, like, because we try to keep them running pretty lean too because we like quality-based caseloads and I don't like burnout and all that kind of stuff. We'll go have lunch. You know, it's just one of those things like you have to, that's why I feel like it's so important to make sure that you're creating this dream and know that your dream is going to evolve depending on your life. And it's just going to look different at different stages and that's okay.
0: There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the good part of it, right? Because, is. because what happens in other set right, like the other thing that's great about private practice, which is exactly what you're describing is that it works differently for different seasons of your life, right? Like mm-hmm. your, your kids are, are younger right now. I also have young kids right now. So I'm doing a lot more at home stuff, you know, picking up, dropping off, all that kind of stuff, you know, swim lessons, like those kind of things. Uh-huh. But, you know, as, as the kids maybe get older, as they're in school longer, or whatever, like you might have more time during the day to either see more clients or do more, you know, um, administrative work or, you know, whatever you want to do. What it's, whatever you, you want to <laughs> Whatever you decide that you want, that's what what you're going to (laughs) do. Yeah. But a lot of people do like what you said really at the very beginning of the episode about how you needed more flexibility. I think that, you know, a lot of people choose this profession for the flexibility, right? People Mm -hmm. say like, oh, it's a, it's a good job. It's got, you know, a, you know, good salary and flexibility, right? That's what it always says in these lists that say how the SLPs are the best career you know, top ten careers or whatever, right? And then you get into it, right? And let's just say you're working uh-huh. at a school or hospital, or whatever. And there's really not that much flexibility in a lot of cases. Ew. And also, like, yeah, sure. There's a there's a good salary, right? Mm-hmm. You start off at a good, you know, kind of median salary, but y'all, the salary doesn't increase a lot, right? Oh, and so uh-huh. what you what you trade for, like a air quote stable job, is a stable income right? And most people's expenses are going to continue to go up. And so if you have a expenses in your life, because now you've got kids, now you've got a house, now you got whatever, you still got student loans. If your expenses are continuing to increase, but your salary isn't, like that's a problem. That's one of the reasons also why people choose private practice is to, is to have more income coming in so they can do fun things,
1: Yes, absolutely. Completely agree. And private practice
0: can give you that.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: So if there's, um, first of all, this was like so comprehensive, right? Like, and I feel like all of these things that you've said are like, I'm like, yes, yes. Like cheering on, like, this is so (laughs) what I want our listeners to hear. Is there anything else that you want to make sure either that we haven't covered yet or like, you know, words of advice or wisdom or things like that, that you want to make sure that people hear?
1: Yeah, I I found early on in my career that you have to just learn to advocate for yourself, whether or not you really want to, you can remain a nice person and advocate for yourself. Sometimes you just have to get a little uncomfortable, put yourself in those situations because if you don't advocate for yourself, not, not everyone is going to have someone that's going to do it for them. And so whether it's advocating for yourself because of, you know, pay or just because maybe you feel like you're doing things unethical or you don't feel like you have enough support. I find that we as SLPs um, have to find ways to figure yeah. out a way to learn how to advocate for ourselves and, like I said, just make ourselves uncomfortable sometimes to get where we need to be. And that's something that I wish everyone could um, could do. You know, because we have a lot of people out there with a lot of good skill sets. And sometimes it's it's just one of those things like you can have a good skill set and you
0: can still be ran over if you don't advocate for yourself. Yeah, I know. I don't know if you, I know you and I are both on Instagram and it, it breaks my heart every Sunday night, which we're actually recording this on a Sunday night, like half of the posts are about the Sunday scaries. Right. Like every, and right now, we're, at the time of this recording, too, it's kind of like back to school time. And um, like everyone's like, do you have the Sunday Scaries or people are hiding under blankets talking about the Sunday Scaries. And it just it really honestly breaks my heart to think that there's so many SLPs out there who who feel either like, you know, burned out or that they don't have enough control or respect or all of those things in their job. So if, if you're in that position, if you really feel like you've got this whole Sunday Scaries thing, like really think about making a change and you can do it just mm-hmm. like Ashley did where, you know, she still had her full-time job and she built up her income coming in. You don't have to, you know, quit your job and then start. That's actually not how I teach people to do it. Right. <laughs> Cause I also, you know, like this debt-free approach where you have income coming in, but like, if you're in a position where, you know, you're professional life isn't working for your personal life, please think about making a change. And it it could be to private practice or it could be to another setting, you know, whatever. But, you know, just like Ashley said about advocating for yourself, please advocate for yourself because, you know, you have a lot of skills, you have a lot to give. And so don't let it be stifled in a place where it's like not going to work for you.
1: Absolutely. You said that perfect. some part. End rant.
0: <laughs> and rant.
1: Yeah. I just had to
0: say that other than people keeping it lean, advocate for yourself. <laughs> That's it. I love it. Okay. So Ashley, where can people find out about you? If people are, you know, online or on Instagram or wherever, how can people like connect with you, learn more about you and learn more about your practice?
1: Yeah. So I am on Instagram. So my personal one is Ashley Danae Perkins, A-S-H-L-E-Y-D-A-N-A-E Perkins at, well, it's not an email. So at Ashley Danae Perkins. And then I'm actually, um, for my business, it's at Perkins Therapy Group and that's on Instagram. And then for my website, www.perkinstherapygroup.com.
0: Awesome. So y'all take a second to reach out to Ashley. If, if you were listening to this and you know, something, you know, hit a chord with you and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I live in a small town too, or I also have little kids or whatever, you know, send her a DM on Instagram and just let her know that you listened to the episode. But otherwise, Ashley, thank you so much for doing this episode and thank you for, you know, your transparency and your honesty and just showing other people what's possible. Thank you. I appreciate it. Truly do. So how much do you love Ashley? I love her drive, how logically she thinks about her business, and how she really took a chance on herself and created the life that she had imagined for her life and also for her family. And the best part, you can do it too. You can literally go from feeling like a stuck SLP to being a successful private practitioner this year. Spend some time identifying your personal, professional, and financial goals, and then make a plan to make it happen, just like Ashley did. And remember, she's in a small town. She has young kids, she hasn't been in the field for very long, and she started successfully, which means that you can too. If you want help to do this, I don't want you to go it alone and risk making mistakes or forgetting steps or doing things in the wrong order. So let me be your guide. I have helped over 10,000 SLPs start their private practices, and I can help you too. The easiest way to do this is to watch my free training, which is available at startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar to learn the ins and outs of private practice and make sure that it's right for you. I promise that you'll learn more about private practice in 60 minutes than you did in all of graduate school. So head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar to sign up because I cannot wait to help you start your private practice. I have been toying with the idea of starting a private practice for some time now. So even being a full-time working mom, it was really nice to have a system that was all set up for me. I didn't have to reinvent the wheel or start from scratch. And I was
1: able to land a client within about the first week and a half of me going public with my private practice. So now I have 12 clients. It is such an invigorating and amazing experience.
0: If you want help to start your speech therapy private practice, then head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist so that you will be notified as soon as we reopen the doors to the Start Your Private Practice system. Again, that's startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist. I cannot wait to help you start your private practice.